All right, church, we doing good today? We good? So good seeing everybody today. Thank you for being here. I uh, want to take a minute and want to welcome everybody who's joining us online right now. Online, we love you. Come on, church, can we welcome everybody who's watching with us online? So glad that you're here. Also, just uh, before we jump into our contact, I want to take a minute and celebrate a little bit. Uh, man, Easter weekend, a.k.a. the Super Bowl of Christianity, was fire here at Summit Park Church. Super thankful. Uh, we had over, uh, right at 3,000 people here at church, which is really cool. And most importantly, we had 88 people make decisions for Christ. So come on, somebody. Can we celebrate that? It's fantastic. I just want to say, um, I just love seeing that happen. Uh, that's why we exist. We are here to help more people find and follow Jesus. And uh, we're not going to give up until we see that, we, until we see all of Kansas City reached. Amen? And then once that happens, I don't know. Maybe St. Louis. Who knows? I don't know. But, but in all seriousness, we, we, that's what we're about. And I just want to say thank you. I want to take a moment, and I want to say thank you to every person who prayed, every person who supported, every person who served. Come on, don't we have the best volunteer teams here at our church? Come on, let's just thank them. Let's honor them. So, so thankful, truly, for you guys. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. Man, I love this. I, I just, I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that is so committed to seeing more people find and follow Jesus. It's just, uh, it's just the joy of my life, and uh, I'm just so thankful to be a part of it, thankful you're a part of it. Um, well, hey, we are in a series that we have uh, been going through over the last, really since the beginning of the year, on the book of Matthew. We're going verse by verse through Matthew, and uh, we're, ask, uh, we're answering this question, wouldn't it be cool if we could have seen Jesus while he lived on this earth? Like, wouldn't that be cool? Like, if we could see him up close and see him do the miracles that he did, see him uh, talk and speak and change people's lives the way they did it. Wouldn't it be cool if you could get an up-close and personal view of Jesus? Wouldn't that be awesome? The answer is yes, it would be cool. Um, and the cool thing is that Matthew gives us that. Matthew gives us a detailed account of who Jesus was and what it was like, what he, how he talked, how he interacted with people. And for Matthew, it was extra significant because Jesus changed Matthew's life. Not just, a, not just as a teacher, but someone who came in and gave him a whole new reason to live. I've been walking through this and, and keep coming back to this idea, but Matthew had been living for the kingdom of Rome. Really, he'd been living for the kingdom himself. He was a tax collector. He had betrayed his people, so he made life about money, and he didn't have any meaning. And Jesus shows up at his tax booth and says, hey, why don't you come follow me, and changes his life, gives him something meaningful to live for, and shows him the kingdom, not the kingdom of Rome, not the kingdom of this world, but the kingdom of God, the kingdom that matters, the real kingdom. And what Matthew is doing in his gospel is showing us what Jesus showed him, how to find the kingdom and how to experience and what it looks like. And so we're walking through that and it's been, uh, it's been really, really great. We've been, uh, for the last several weeks, we've been in the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached. And Jesus has been talking about the heart. That's what he's been focusing on. He's been focusing on the, these heart issues. He, he, before we even start working on the externals, Jesus is like, I want, I want to talk about the heart because that's how God changes us. God changes us in our hearts, and so he's changing, he's giving us something better to live for, and, he, and he's starting with our heart. And now we're going to come to a passage, a, a section on the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is going to start talking about relationships a little bit. And he's going to talk about how do you actually flesh out this kingdom life with your brother, with your sister, with your husband, with your wife. And so he's going he's gonna to give us something in Matthew chapter 7. It's just pure gold, and uh, I'm just really excited about talking about it. It's Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. I just read the, read the 
small verse here, and then we'll read the whole context here in just a second. But it says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. Everybody's favorite verse, right? Probably, okay, let me just ask this. There's no shame if you haven't, but how many of you have heard that verse at one point in your life? Just raise your hand. I just want to know as a, okay, so this is good. Most of us have heard, even, even like non-Christians, this is like non-Christians' favorite verse, right? They know this one. Um, and you're probably not going to see this in a pillow at Mardell's, all right, or, or, or on a little sign at Hobby Lobby. You're not going to see, you know, it's not like, couldn't you just see it in that little scripty font? Do not judge. You know, it's probably not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Um, we usually say this verse when we feel like someone is judging us. Because how many of you know getting judged is like your favorite thing? Don't you just love it when someone says, hey, I've just got a couple things I want to speak into your life. You're like, oh, great. Just, I can't wait to hear it. Go ahead. You know, usually when someone, <laughs> when someone starts in on you, you're like, you want to punch them in the face. Anybody else? This is usually like, oh, that's so great. Could you just turn a little bit? Bam. You know, like that's what you want to do. You want to pop them right in the mouth because we don't like being judged. So we hear this verse and we're like, yeah, that's right, Jesus, preach it. And we use it. Do not judge me. Jesus even said it. And so we, we, that's how we look at this verse. But the reality is, how many of you know um, Jesus isn't saying that we should never judge? Right? Can you imagine a world where where no one is judged, it'd be, it'd be a terrible world. How many know there are people who need judgment? Like, there are people who need judgment. Like, like, they're, like people who drive slow in the left lane. Come on, somebody. They, they, they need some judgment. Like, like they need, I'm not talking about, like, severe jail time, but just a little bit. Just enough to make sure they don't do it anymore. There's a left lane. It's for those that want to pass, those that don't want to drive fast. It's simple. If you want to drive slow, right lane, fast, left lane. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Can we have, let's, all right, there we go. We're all in agreement. Now let us live this out. Um, okay, here's another, like, people who should be judged. People who use their speakerphone in public. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a problem. It's a problem. It's, it's an epidemic. It's not as bad as COVID, but it's close, okay? Uh, and it, I, I get it. If your hands are full, you got a lot going on, you stick, you're like talking like this, you know, whatever. But when you're both hands, when you're walking around talking, it's not appropriate. Your speakerphone is loud to you and everybody around you. Can I get an amen? All right. Or people who don't clean up after their pets. Oh, see, look at the disgust, the corporate disgust. It's bad. Guys, you, you, like, it's okay. You take your pets everywhere. That's awesome. That's great. But you know your pets are going to do their business. They do it every day. Don't be surprised. Don't be like, oh, I can't believe she did that. <laughs> of course you can. She does it every day. People need judgment. But nobody likes being criticized. And yet, if we're honest, our world today is criticizing everybody. Do you see this? We are outraged about everything. And so we're casting judgment. We're critical, but we don't have solutions. We're, we love casting judgment, and no one wants to be wrong. We have no solutions because we have no clear definition of truth. Come on, somebody. And the result is we are broken. We experience brokenness. 
We experience fracture in relationship. Have you ever had a relationship that just felt stuck? It's because we don't, we, we don't know what to do with this. Do not judge, and how does this work? And Jesus gives us the answer. Jesus gives the answer for how to work out our relationships. It's beautiful. The Sermon on the Mount is beautiful. Matthew chapter 7, he's going to change the game on how we look at judgment. And what he's going to tell us is that we need to be less judgy and more useful, okay? Less judgy and more useful. If you're ready to jump in, say I am. am. All right, Matthew chapter 1, verse or 7, verse 1. Uh, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? All right, pause for a moment. What's he saying here? He's like, it's real easy to see what's wrong with everybody else, right? It's like, it's like a little speck of sawdust. You're like, oh, I, I think I'm going to get close. I think I see a little. Oh, man, I, I see that. I see that. All the while, you've got a two-by-four coming out of your forehead. So this is the picture Jesus this is the picture Jesus is giving us. We're walking around with like a two by four out of our forehead, and we're like, oh, I think I see a little bit of speck in your life. That's what Jesus, that's the picture, okay? He says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And then he says this very interesting passage, do not give dogs what is sacred, and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Terrifying. That's terrifying. I mean, a, a wild dog tearing you to pieces is terrifying, but a wild pig tearing you to pieces is extra terrifying. Can you imagine being attacked by a wild pig? That's just terrifying. So Jesus is scaring us here. I'll talk about that here in just a moment. But I think the point of this passage He's not saying don't judge. We're going to talk about that in a minute. He's saying be less judgy, but be more useful. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. Be less judgy and more useful. And what he's doing, he's going to give us four ways that we do this. And this is going to be a little teachy today. It's a little teachy because Jesus is getting into the nitty-gritty of relationships. So I want, to, I want to deal with it. But he's going to give us, number one, he wants to tell us to deal with our issues Number two, speak truth to your brother. Three, be a light to the world. And then four, give grace because you need grace. That's the four things that Jesus is telling us in this passage. Deal with your issues, speak truth to your brother, be a light to the world, and then give grace because you need grace, okay? So we're all, gonna, we're all just gonna grow a little bit, so we just need to loosen up, so you just need to turn to the person next to you, just turn to the person next to you and say, I'm offended that you would judge me. Come on, just tell someone just, I'm offended. I'm offended already. I'm offended, and we haven't even started. Now turn to the person that you obviously like less um, and tell them, I'm offended, you're offended. Come on, just tell someone, I'm offended, you're offended. See, we just got that all out of the way. We just got that all out of the way, <laughs> all right? Okay, here we go. Number one, deal with your issues. Everybody say, deal with it. Come on, everybody say, deal with it. How many of you know you have some issues. <laughs> I'm not talking about the person next to you because you know they have issues. <laughs> I mean, we'll get, we'll get to them in a minute, but I'm talking about the person sitting in your seat. You have issues. 
and you have more issues than you even realize. And let me just prove this to, to all of us today, how much, how much we have issues. How many of you know somebody, and I just ask if you all participate, this would make all of this more helpful, but uh, if, uh, how many of you know somebody who has more issues than they realize? Come on, just raise your hand. Just, you know somebody. You know somebody who has more issues. Look at this. You know, everybody's participating. The rest of us are lying. That's okay, cool, that's cool. But you know there's somebody who's got issues. Now, here's what's amazing. Think about this for a moment. This is, this is crazy. Just a second ago, somebody was raising their hand thinking about you. <laughs> they had you on their minds. <laughs> In fact, for some people, they shot their hand up so fast because they couldn't wait to share to the world your issues that you don't see, but they see. Everybody's got issues. And what Jesus is saying is, deal with your issues. Look, verse five, he says, you hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye. He's, he's saying we overlook the stuff that we have and what that does is it keeps us from making traction in the kingdom and in relationships. So that's what he's saying. You, you, what's keeping you from being in relationship with your brother and your sister the way that you want to and the way that God wants you to is the issues that you have and you're going around and you're looking for all of the other things that everybody else has going on without dealing with the stuff that you have in your own life. What Jesus is doing, he's getting back to a theme that he established at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Do you remember message one? Blessed are the poor in spirit, right? So what's he saying? Blessed are the humble. Blessed are those that humble themselves because you have to have a, you, a little bit of humility to realize you've got some issues. You gotta have a little bit of self-awareness. You have to have a little bit of emotional intelligence and you have to have a brokenness before God that says, oh God, help me because I've got some issues. And God, I just wanna open myself up to you and say, Lord, have your way, have your way deal with everything that you wanna deal with in my heart and take it out. Not a spirit that overlooks sin or excuses it, but that says, oh God, help me with it. That's what we should have. The psalmist David talks about this in Psalm 19. He talks about just, he's been pouring his heart out to God. He's like, God, help me. Watch this, verse, verse 12, he says, but who can discern their own errors? He, he's basically saying, who has the ability to see everything wrong with themselves? How many of you know nobody does? Nobody has the ability to find out everything wrong. There's stuff that you can't see. It's just, it takes humility and awareness to recognize it. But David's going to God and saying, God, will you help me with it? And then he says, forgive my hidden faults. So he's just opened himself up to the Lord. And then he says, keep your servant also from willful sins. So there's stuff we can't see, then there's stuff we can see. May they not rule over me. How many know sin is a master, a terrible master? Sin wants to rule you. He says, may they not rule over, then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. David understands something that's really important. He understands that, he's, that the best place for all of us is to come before God and say, God, I just opened my heart before you. And I say, you can speak to anything you wanna speak to. You can deal with anything you wanna deal with. Lord, I just open my heart up and say, Lord, I know there's stuff I can't see. I know there's stuff I can't see. I just give all of it to you and I invite you into all of it. 
And when we do that, we can start making traction. Let me just tell you, some of the reason, uh, the reason that some of you have not been able to make traction is because you're not inviting God in. You're keeping him at bay. And he's like, man, I would come in and I would, I would help you, but you're keeping me at bay. And God will not force himself on anyone. But if you invite the Holy Spirit in, you invite God in, just, Lord, just come in, that I might be clean. David prays this, and then later in his life, he has to live this. How many know sometimes God lets you live your prayers? And, and that's exactly what happens here, okay? We know that David is famous for two things, right? Killing Goliath and sleeping with Bathsheba. So he's famous for two things. After he commits adultery with Bathsheba and then kills her husband, who is a friend, by the way, messed up, right? After he does this, the prophet Nathan comes to confront him. So he's about to, he's about to judge him a little bit. He's about to have him live this little prayer out. And, and in order to help him with this, he, he tells him a story. Instead of just coming straight at him, he's like, let me tell you a story, David. There was a rich man and a poor man. And so he's basically saying, like, this actually happened. He's like, man, there's a rich man and a poor man. And, and the rich man had a lot of sheep. And the poor man only had a few and one that was really precious to him. And he, and, he, and he coddled this and, and cared for this little sheep and he loved this little sheep with all of his heart as his own child. And, and then Nathan says, well, guess what happened? So this, this poor man has a visitor and the visitor's hungry. So the rich man goes to the poor man and takes the precious sheep and kills it. Everybody say, oh, that's what David was thinking. He was thinking, oh, and he was like, oh, no. And he gets up and he says, oh, no, that's... This guy deserves to die. This guy deserves to die, and not only does he deserve to die, but he needs to pay back up to four times the value of that sheep. And then Nathan says to David, you are the man. Not as in you're the man, but as in you are the man. You're the one who took the little sheep. Now here's what, now think about this for a moment. David is the king. Nathan is a prophet. It would have been very easy for David to be like, oh, thank you so much for sharing that with me, Nathan. Guards, would you go ahead and take him outside and cut off his head? <laughs> would have been easy to do and not unprecedented. But what does David do? He lives that prayer out that he prayed in Psalm 19. And watch what he says. I have sinned against the Lord. He owns it. He deals with it. He doesn't deny it, doesn't try to justify it, doesn't excuse it. And then David will go on in Psalm 51 to write one of the most beautiful confessions. Psalm 51, when you read Psalm 51, it is David's confession for this sin after being confronted by Nathan the prophet. It's beautiful. The whole thing is beautiful, but I just want to read verses 10 through 12. David says this, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He's like, God, just come in. I'm sorry. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain it. He doesn't try to deny it. He doesn't try to excuse it. 
he doesn't justify it, he owns it. How many of you know we're really good at justifying our sin? We're really good. Be like, oh, well, the reason I did this is because you did that, right? (laughs) Have you ever heard someone say that? Have you ever found yourself saying that? Well, if you wouldn't be so rude, I wouldn't have to be so angry, right? I mean, we do this so well, and what happens is when we justify our sin, we don't own our sin, and sin is never the solution. Sin is never the solution. Sin only messes us up. So when we justify our sin, we don't feel better. We end, we end up feeling worse. So we have to deal with it. We have to deal with it. And that's why, that's why I'm really big on, on getting counseling, having someone who is maybe not your spouse have free reign to speak into your life and be like, oh, that's so interesting. Have you thought about this? Kind of show up a little mirror. I'm such a big fan of being in the word of God because the word of God is a mirror. That's why we're going through the Bible in a year. If you're not doing that, jump in with us because you're going every day, you're spending time in the word of God. The word of God is a mirror that shows us our hearts. Have you ever been reading the Bible and the Bible just starts to begin speaking to you and start being like, I mean, it doesn't take long. Just a few verses in and all of a sudden you're like, oh, 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 have you ever been there? The guys that start speaking to you, get some counseling, get into the word of God, attend living free. We talk about getting freedom from issues where you're able to, to deal with these things. Bring these things to the surface because it's holding you back. So Jesus says, deal with our issues. Second thing he says is help your brother out. Help your brother out. Do not judge. Is Jesus saying, don't judge? He's not, he can't be saying that because Jesus was not afraid to judge. Remember when Peter was trying to keep Jesus from the cross? What what does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. How many know that's not a, a highlight of Peter's life? Like, remember that one day when Jesus called me the devil? Oh, it's so great. Just love that one. Or when he calls the Pharisees brood of vipers. You hypocrites. You whitewashed tombs. He's not afraid to judge. He's not saying that. What, he, what he's doing, watch this. He's just saying, he's just saying, deal with the log first, and then watch what he says in, in verse five. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye because you will be able to see clearly once the plank is gone. You heard, I I can see clearly now. The rain is gone. New version. I can see clearly now. The plank is gone. That's what he's saying. The plank is gone. Once you deal with your stuff, you're gonna be able to see other issues clearly. And you'll have a heart not to judge them or criticize them, but to help them. This is the difference. So once you, once you really deal with your stuff and you let God in, you're going to be able to see others. And it's not, you're not going to want to come down on them. You're going to help them up. See, that's the difference. That's what Jesus is saying. And let me just say, this is one of the amazing things about being part of the body of Christ. This is why church is so important. 
Because you need people in your life that know you well enough to call your stuff out of you. You gotta have people who can, you gotta have people who are close enough to you. This is why small group's a big deal. Why getting on a serve team's a big deal. Because when you have people in your life, they can be the body of Christ for you. Watch what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4. He talks about this. He talks about how important this is. And he says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. How many of you know the world is very tricky? The world is very deceitful. And you need people in your life who are grounded who can be like, no, 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 I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right. I think you've bought into a lie. I think you've bought into a narrative that is not true. And let me just encourage you to see that for what it is. Instead, what, is, what do we do? Speak the truth in love. Then we will grow. Watch this. Once we speak the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament. All right, we're all ligaments. We all have our part. Grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. See, here's the beauty. Here's the beauty of being a part of the body. You can help somebody out. You can help call someone else out and what they're struggling with. Be like, hey, man, I, I, don't, I, I think that's stinking thinking. I think, you, I, think, I think that's a lie. I don't think that's right. I don't think you're seeing that right. Because how many of you know sometimes what we do is we surround ourselves in echo chambers of people who just repeat what we want to hear. And we find ourselves all, like we find ourselves in a weird spot. Have you seen how the world has gotten in a weird spot? It's because we're not letting truth into our lives. We gotta be like, no, I want the truth because once I know the truth, Jesus says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's right. The truth will set you free. Here's the beauty of dealing with the planks. Once you deal with a plank, you're gonna know how to help someone with the speck because you uniquely know what it feels like to have wood in your eye, right? How many of you know when you get set free from your stuff, you're gonna be able to help other people get set free from their stuff? You're gonna know how painful it is to walk around with that. You're gonna know how it messes with your vision. You know how it messes with your relationships. And in love and in grace, you're gonna be able to help somebody. That's why he says speak the truth in love. I just wanna give you a couple of tips on this. Again, this is teachy, but this is really practical, okay? Number one, get your tone right. When you speak the truth in love, get your tone right. How many of you know you can approach the same? You can be right, in fact, and wrong in tone. So you can come into a situation and be like, well, I'm gonna tell you this, and you need to know this, and you might be right with what you're saying, but you're so wrong in your tone that they're not hearing it. They're not hearing it. So what you have to do is make sure your tone is right. Get your tone right. Settle down. Pray about it. Get some counsel on it. And when I mean counsel, I don't mean gossip. Okay, come on. You don't call, I, just, I was gonna talk to uh, so-and-so, sister so-and-so, and I just wanted to get your opinion on it because, you know, she's got a lot of issues. 16 phone calls later, you're just still getting counsel. No, that's gossip. Have a spiritual advisor, a spiritual counselor, and have someone help you get your tone right. 
Ephesians 4, 2, a little bit uh, further up in that passage, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. That's hard, though. I'd rather be angry. I'd rather be judgy. It's just easier. But this is so much better. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So get your tone right. Second, assume the best. Assume the best. When you're getting ready to have a conversation with somebody, assume the best in them. It is always best to assume the best. If you go into that situation thinking they are basically, you know, Hitler reincarnated, I mean, if you, if you think this, this person is evil and wicked and terrible, then you're going to approach it one way. But if you approach them as a brother and a sister in Christ who you love because Jesus loves them, and sometimes you know that's all you have, it's like, I don't love you, I don't even like you, but he does, so I have to, and so I'm going to. I'm going to assume the best and then expect a good outcome. As you're approaching the conversation, expect a good outcome. If you expect it to go badly, it's probably going to go badly. But if you expect it to go well, you've got a chance, okay? And again, this is why it's so important. Get in a group. Get on a team. Get, get people around you that you can do life with. It's so, so important. Next, be a light to the world. So deal with your issues, help your brother out, and then be a light to the world. Now, verse six says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them and tear you to pieces. What he's saying is don't give the world the same truth you give each other because the world won't know how to take it. Because the world isn't on the same page as you. So he's saying we can speak the truth and love to those who are inside the church, but those who are outside the church need a different message. They need the gospel. They need to, they need to know that God so loved the world that he gave. They need to know like, oh yes, well, all of us are sinners. All of us fall short. But praise God, Jesus came and made a way for us to experience grace. See, the problem, this is what we do in the church. We try to moralize the world. And we're so upset when the world is the world. I can't believe they did that. Can you believe they would have that value system? Can you believe they don't? I mean, why would you? Of course they do. Of course they do. They're lost. What they need to be is found. My job is not to moralize the world. It's to bring the world to God. And remember, in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, be salt and light. We don't change the world by trying to make them conform to our, our moral standards. We change the world by serving them and pointing them to a good and gracious God. That's what we do. We say, hey, he loves you, and he died for you. The gospel is not about making bad people good. It's about showing all people that they could never be good enough. That's the gospel of grace. And God meets us. We don't deserve it. None of us deserve it, but he meets us. Jesus didn't die for righteous people. He died for the unrighteous, which is all of us. And the foot of the cross is level. 
and he loves us. The last thing is this. Give lots of grace because you're going to need it. (laughs) Watch this verse two. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. How many of you just raise your hand if you've experienced a lot of grace in your life? Come on, just raise your hand. You've experienced it. So what do we need to do? We need to give it. We need to give a lot of grace. Colossians 3, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive how? As the Lord forgave you. How did God forgive you? Unconditionally, completely, thoroughly, and not because you deserved it. So how do we approach brothers and sisters? Just like that. And here's the beauty. What what Jesus is saying is if you sow grace, you will reap grace. And, and And the apostle Paul ties into this idea in Galatians chapter six when he says, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us, watch this, it's so amazing. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give it. You're gonna reap a harvest of grace if you keep sowing it. Watch this. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to all those that belong to the family of believers. We have had so much grace sown into us by God. We didn't deserve any of the grace that God gave us. And yet he gave it so willingly, so freely. The reality is, there's two ways to live your life. We've talked about this when it comes to generosity. Tight-fisted, or open-handed, right? Now, that's true with it relates to finances, but it's true in every other aspect of our life, and it's true as it relates to grace. You could be tight-fisted with your grace, or you can be open-handed. I'm not gonna forgive them. They should have done that. They should have known better. Be like, no, I forgive them. Freely I have received, so freely give. That's what Jesus is saying. I just want to throw this out to you. If you feel like life has been consistently unfair, if you feel like everybody's beating down around you, like there's no grace being extended to you, it might just be because you haven't extended much grace. Because you reap what you sow. If you want grace, sow grace. And when you sow that grace, it has a way of going and going and going and going and changing the world. We change the world by giving grace. I kind of of view it like Pez dispenser. Anybody ever seen a Pez dispenser? My kids love the Pez dispensers. You know what a Pez is like? you, you You know, the head goes back, candy comes out. I think we're supposed to be grace dispensers. Every time our head goes back and our mouth opens, grace should be coming out. 
Grace should be coming out. It's the most powerful force in the universe, grace. When I was in eighth grade, my dad took my family to London. I have three younger sisters, and so my youngest sister was, I think, in third grade at the time. And uh, it was crazy. It was my dad, it was a bucket list item for him to be able to go to London by the time he turned 40. So he took the whole family, crazy, right? And um, so we, we all went, and true story, we rented a, 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 a mobile home or motor home and drove around England and then like took a ferry over to Ireland and drove around Ireland. And he had this like 10 day, like awesome trip planned. We're gonna see some of the most beautiful spots in the world. And uh, right before we went, he bought this, uh, he bought this video recorder. Guys, remember, the, remember back in the day you had cameras that sat on your shoulders? And like, some of you don't even know. Some of you don't know. You don't know. But there used to be these cameras, like news cameras. That's what everybody had. And then the VHS, you guys remember the VHS would come right out the side. And so we bought this camera just for this trip. And, and so my dad let me carry it. I was so excited. Like, that's right. I'm the oldest. And so I'm walking around. I'm videoing London. It's so great. This is day two of the trip. Day two. Walking around. This is so great. And I'm in eighth grade, obviously still learning, but I'm walking around stupidly with one eye closed, looking through the thing. It's so fun. And I hit this crack in slow motion. I see the camera go, and I just felt like, I felt like the kid from A Christmas Story. You guys remember, like, it's like, no, you know, shoot your eye out. Like, that's what I feel like is happening in this. It's like, and I just watch the camera explode into about 45 different pieces. And so here I am on the ground, and my dad's up, my dad's at the front, and he just looks back, and I just can't remember, he's gonna kill me. He's gonna kill me. I've lived a long life, eighth grade, that's good. I deserve to die. I'll be buried in London. That's great. It's awesome. I deserve this. And, he, and he, turns, he turns and he looks at me, and I know he's got to be upset. And he says, hey, it's okay. I remember that moment as, as, as if it was today. I was in eighth grade. Why? It's the power of Grace. Less judgy, more useful. That's impacted my parenting. That's impacted the way I lead. That one moment of grace has literally changed the way I view situations. That's what God has called us to. That's what God has given us the opportunity to be a part of. Is it that we can't call things out? No, deal with our own stuff, then help each other out, be a light to the world, and then give grace as much as we can. Amen? Amen. You stand with me, church. Let's just take a moment, process this with God. We're gonna pray here in just a second. I just, I believe God is here. I believe God is speaking. I'm praying for this message, praying that God would use this just to help all of us. As we get ready to pray, some of you, there's some stuff you've 
you've probably got to work on. There's some issues you've got to deal with. I want to encourage you to deal with those things. There's some people in your life that you need to, need to encourage, need to help a little bit. There's some people you need to help out. Or maybe you haven't been much of a light to the world. You've been more of a, a moral authority to the world. God's asked you to be a light. And I know he's asking all of us to be a grace dispenser. So can we just process this with the Lord? Would you, would you pray, bow your heads, close your eyes. Just take a moment in his presence. Just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. God is here. Just invite him to speak to you. Just begin working in your life. Just begin changing you from the inside out. Just transforming you. God, we just welcome you into our hearts today. And we just pray that, God, you would you would clean us up and clean us out. You would help us to be help to our brothers and our sisters, to be a light to the world and to give, us, to give as much grace as we possibly can. Help us, Lord. Help us to do this for real. So much anger that gets in the way. There's so much flesh that gets in the way. I just pray that, God, you would, you would help us. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our lives. We yield ourselves to you. And we say, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask those who be praying for others if you come down to the front at this time. If you have a need in your body, we believe that God heals. If you have a need in your marriage, a need in your finances, the Bible says where two or three are gathered, God is there in our midst, and he is here today, and he answers prayer, and we want to pray for you. So if you have a need, we want to pray for you. If you want to give your life to Christ, we want to pray for you. For the rest of us, before we, before we just rush out into our days, can we just take a moment in the presence of God and say, Lord, you can take every aspect of my life. I surrender it to you. Would you just lift your hands across this place and act of surrender? And let's just welcome God into our midst. Let's welcome God into our hearts.